Hey everyone, before we get started with the podcast, I just wanted to let you know about our December promo. If you order the Platinum Package now to receive it first thing in 2017, we will throw in a free 12-pack box of our new high-protein, low-carb chocolate hazelnut bars. That's $35 worth of free bars. And the coupon code for that is 12HAZEL. The number is 1-2-H-A-Z-E-L. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, featuring fresh and lively commentary on all things Primal, including Q&A sessions with Primal Blueprint founder, Mark Sisson, special guest interviews hosted by Mark Sisson, and conversations with Primal Blueprint authors and other health and fitness experts. The show is presented by Damage Control, Master Formula, the world's most potent multivitamin, mineral, antioxidant, anti-aging supplement. Available at primalblueprint.com. Past episodes are available for download or to review written summaries at blog.primalblueprint.com. And now, introducing your host, L. Russ. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. Today we have a very special guest, Arian Alexander of arianalexander.com. That's A R R I A N E alexander.com. She is a rock your life coach, also an actor, a spiritual psychology master's degree holder, and all around wonderful person and primal beast. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Alex. Great to be here. So I met you uh, many times over the years at Mark Sisson's house. You've been very close with them for a while. In fact, just got back from a kick-ass Italy trip with them, right? I did. And it's so it's so great to be personal friends with Mark and Carrie Sisson and also obviously learn from them, you know, through the years. I mean, I've totally changed my lifestyle basically through being friends with them. But Italy was kind of a perfect example of manifestations and dreams and really living life fully, which is so much of what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, exactly. Boy, that was, uh, but that was just wonderful. Okay, so let's, let's start off with, we're going to go through lots of topics here today, but what motivated you to get your master's in spiritual psychology and, you know, go down the path of becoming a life coach? So my background is I was in the fashion business for many years. I worked for 12 years in my twenties. I grew, basically grew up with this huge fashion company that was, I had this amazing job. I had this glamorous career. I traveled all over the world. Uh, I worked for this awesome company. I could have been there forever because it's it's such a solid career. But inside, I worked for them for 12 years. And for seven of those years, I was miserable. I was eating cookies all day long. I was <laughs> drinking all the time. I was smoking. I was doing everything I could to distract myself from my basically unhappiness and and not being fulfilled in what I was doing. And I knew there was something that was more of a purpose for me. I knew I wasn't living my purpose, but I didn't know what that was. I just felt so unhappy in where I was at, even though my life was so glamorous, but I just knew there was something more. And so when I saw this program in spiritual psychology, which I'd never heard of at the time, I thought, oh, well, that sounds interesting. If I was going to get a master's degree, I definitely would get it in psychology. And this one's spiritual psychology. So it's even better. And so I literally just dove into the program and knowing nothing about it and got my master's in spiritual psychology. Two years later, after the program, I realized I could not stay in that career one minute longer because I was basically in it for the money. I was like making good money. and Yeah, the golden handcuffs, right? See that a lot of people have the golden handcuffs and they just can't get out of it or they can, but you know what I mean? They feel they can't. A hundred percent. It was the golden handcuffs and I was so scared to leave. But after I 
really went within myself to see what my heart was calling me to do and what my purpose was. I just knew it wasn't this. So I left in 2007, cold turkey. I did not have another job lined up. I didn't know what I was going to do. I just knew that life was telling me to leave, to jump ship, and something else would come in. So I did the scariest thing I've ever done in my life, and I walked away from a six-figure career. And I just said, I don't know. I don't know what's next, but, you know, spirit, life, show me what's next. And what happened in the next, you know, with 2000, so it's been nine years, 10 years, I don't even know. It's 2007. So however long that is now, almost 10 years later, it's been the most amazing journey of my life because I ended up in the entertainment business, working as an actor and hosting a couple um, television shows that I still host today. And then that launched me into coaching because I really saw a need for people just all over the place, just, I saw people needing my help, but they didn't even know they needed it. I just saw people kind of falling apart before my eyes. And so I started coaching in a a business sense. And it's fast forward to today, I have this amazing coaching practice. I work with entrepreneurs all over the world. And I know I call myself a rock your life coach. So my clients come to me for business aspects to build their business. And it's about transforming their lives so they can become the person who has the business that they desire. Like they have to expand into this other person. So it's kind of been this interesting, not even known journey. Like 10 years ago, if you would have told me, oh, well, you're going to be, you know, have this amazing life coaching practice and work with people all over the world. Oh, and you're going to be on TV shows and you're going to host shows. I would have said, hi, you're crazy. That like, None of this makes any sense. Cause yeah, I'm with you. I think every one of us can kind of have something in our lives like that too. If you had asked me, I'd be talking to you on this podcast right now. I I would have been like, you're crazy. What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Right. And I just found the more that I followed that inner purpose, not even knowing what it was, but I just knew there was something. And as I continued to ask to be for that purpose to be revealed and started leaning in the direction of that purpose and leaning in the direction of new things that I didn't, you know, scary things, you know, working as a coach when I first started was so scary because I was like, I don't know if I can help people and I don't know if they're going to pay me. And, you know, it was scary and being on my own and not having a steady paycheck was so scary for years. And, you know, now it's just turned into what it is today through a lot of really challenging times. But, and it's still, I won't say it's not challenging now, but now I know how to work with the challenges. And I'm in such a like, I'm so happy. Like I'm so fulfilled and so happy in my life. That's so wonderful. And obviously coaching other people to see the possibilities in themselves, create in a life and a career they've dreamed of, or even better, like you say on your website. And you've got some great videos on YouTube and also on your site that we'll share later. And we're going to give away a little freebie for everybody uh, on that later today on the show. Um, let's talk about, let's go back to when you made the move to jump ship and finally get off the golden handcuffs. So obviously you had been through the the program already, um, at USM, the spiritual psychology degree. What did you learn and build within yourself to have the faith that it was going to work out if you just stepped out of it and went into the unknown? Because that is scary when you embrace the unknown. However, it also usually yields the most awesome results. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's such a good question because so many of the clients I work with, this is this is where they are. Because I think innately as humans, most of us don't want to change. So I always use this example. So we're so uncomfortable in our uncomfortableness because it's known. 
So for instance, uh, if you see a video of like a, a baby who's been abused and they'll, the police will be taking it away from its mother, away from its abuser, and it'll be crying like mad and reaching for its mother, even though it's been abused by this person, it, that's all it knows. So it's, we're, it's a perfect example of we're uncomfortable, or, or I'm sorry, we're comfortable in our uncomfortableness. So even if it's um, where I was in my life of being in a place where I was like, oh, so unfulfilled and so not happy, but it, I was comfortable in that place because it was known. It was, I, I knew how to be depressed. I knew how to eat cookies all day. I knew how to smoke. I knew how to drink. I knew how to be unhappy. What I didn't know was how to really say yes to myself and live in my fullness. So that's where so many of my clients are at. of um, really wanting to make a change, but not knowing how because of that fear of the unknown. So part of the work that I do with clients is really taking baby steps in order to get uncomfortable and be okay with it of taking the smallest steps possible to like build that muscle of taking courageous action steps so they can get, so they can see that it's okay to be uncomfortable. You can move out of your comfort zone and you're not going to die. You're just going to grow from it. But it's the fear that we're going to move out the comfort zone and something like terrible is going to happen. So does that make sense? It's like, it's really- Absolutely. And you know, I, I would say on that note, not to get off on a million tangents, but the, the comfortable in your uncomfortability and the baby's, you know, crying for its abusive parent is also very similar to um, situations where people repeat the same patterns in relationships, right? So let's say, you know, you had a father that was uh, always never there, never showed up or something like that. Over time, it's kind of classic psychology that you jump into scenarios that recreate things that are familiar versus maybe comfortable, but kind of on the same tinge there, right? Comfortable, familiar, even though they're not necessarily healthy for you or even make you happy. Oh, definitely. We will, as human beings, it's almost like we will do anything to preserve that secu- the, the image of security, the perception of security and familiarity. And so just even knowing that, you know, this is how, how I work with clients is even just acknowledging that that's the pattern helps break the pattern because when you get right. So if you're in a pattern where you are in a career that you don't like and, and you really are called to do something else, but you're staying in this career for, you know, call it the money. Even if you can acknowledge that that's what you're doing, that that's the old pattern is, is staying secure and being afraid and, and being afraid to go into the unknown, even acknowledging that helps start shift it. Cause once we can observe it, then we can start to shift it. And so it's the same thing with the relationship. Like you say, if you're in the same pattern with the, <laughs> the same, basically the same guy, the same, but different, different yeah, shapes and sizes yeah. and colors, right? It's the same guy. Yeah. yeah. He just has different hair color each time <laughs> and a different name. But if, if you can acknowledge that that's what's happening, then you have a better chance of moving out of it instead of just being in it and going, I don't know why I just keep getting in these situations time after time again. It's like, no, Oh, I'm in these similar situations. Oh, I see that there's something here that's familiar and is a pattern. And, and I that can... I'm choosing, right? That yeah. I'm choosing. Yeah. 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 And that's empowering to know that we're actually choosing into these patterns, even if they don't feel good. It's empowering to go, oh, wow. Like I keep choosing into this. So how can I choose a different way? How can I choose out of it into something else, it's, you know, more empowering and more fun and more fulfilling? 
Yeah. And then there are those moments when you realize those patterns, there is that day where you're like, oh me, why did I do that to me? And there's those moments not to, you know, like you're going to wither and beating oneself up, but those are tough moments because when you realize a long-term pattern like that, you know, and then you've recognized it and you choose differently, you look back on your old self and you're like, wow, I wish I would have, you know, been more aware of this sooner. So I think, like you said, being aware of it, having it pointed out to you or discovered through, you know, clarifying questions through a coach is the first step. I want to talk about this unknown fear thing. Like, for example, talk to someone recently who was saying that they often don't try things, new jobs, new things, because they're not sure if they're even going to work out. Right. So it's like they're stopping themselves before they even, they're already choosing failure, right? Because they won't even try. And so, you know, I'm wondering, like, uh, I'm sure you have a lot of clients coming to you with those kind of feelings. Mm-hmm. Well, yes. And I just had, I'll, I'll give you a perfect example of this. So one of my clients is a consultant in, um, um, call it uh, like a, an accounting type of way with, with clients all over the world. And she is moving into, creating an online business within the same industry, but just it's, it's more along with the lines that she went to do blogging and uh, online products and things like that. And yet her income, her very, you know, substantial, sustainable income comes from working one-on-one with these clients that she's not fulfilled with. So she, the, the fear is, what if I don't make money? You know, what if I let my clients go and I create my new business? And what if I don't make as much money? And I know that was my fear when I left my career was like, how am I going to replace this income? I'm not good enough to do this. So what, so what, what I had her do is we really walked through the worst case. I giggle when I talk about things because it's like, once we can kind of shine a light on it, we can kind of see our own, uh, call it insanity around things of, of just how our mind wants to play games with us. So I was asking her, what's the worst case scenario? So if you walk away, you know, if you, if you let go of your clients and you're really engaged in your business and, you know, she said, I have enough money to live for about a year. And I was like, okay, so if you make $0, which is kind of impossible for her to make $0 in a year anyway, but if, if you make $0 and you get down to $0 in your accounts, what's the worst case scenario? And she said, well, I'd have to go, you know, I'd have to get my, I have to get my clients back. Like I'd have to get more consulting clients and, and do that business again. And I said, well, can you do that? And she, and she thought she couldn't, but then she realized, yes, I could actually get clients again. So I was like, okay, your worst case scenario is you leave, you let go of your clients, you do this business, you go through all your savings and you, and you get clients again and you have your consulting business again. And she said, yes. And I said, so you're basically living your worst case scenario right now. Right. You see it's the worst case scenario is already is having clients, which is what she already has. So she was like, oh my God. Like, right, like, hey, you can always fall back on your worst case scenario, but go ahead and jump off the diving board here and try this out first. Yeah. Like, what does it hurt? Like the worst case scenario is, okay, it doesn't work out. And even if you couldn't get the original clients back, you have an accounting degree. I'm sure you could go to any, uh, and it wouldn't be fun, right? It would be the worst case scenario, but at least you gave the full effort. And like you said, most likely there's going to be success when you take that leap. And if you're already living your worst case scenario, then what do you have to lose? There's, there's literally nothing to lose. And so when, when, when people can really start to look at it this way of the fears, like really drilling down the fears into the worst case scenario, because it's never, it, it usually it's not as bad as we think it is. And it's pretty improbable that it would ever happen that way. So that can kind of take the load off of, 
of the fear, but also underlying that are the limiting beliefs or the, the ways that we hold ourselves back, the ways we don't believe in ourselves. And, and so like for that client, it was, it was, I'll never make that money. I'll never make as much money as I do right now. So that right there, I I always explain it like this. It, our, our, our conscious mind is like our desktop. So on our desktop is everything we can see. We can see our files. We see pretty icons. We see a pretty picture. But underneath the desktop is the hard drive, which is in the computer, and we can't see it. And the hard drive is what pops all those pretty pictures and icons up onto the desktop. So our conscious mind is the desktop. It's kind of what we can see. But our unconscious mind is the hard drive, which really runs the show. So if the hard drive is running a story, a limiting belief, a, a a pattern that says, I'll never make as much money as I do right now, then that is what we're going to put on our desktop and experience in our life. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And, you know, it's just, um, you know, these limiting beliefs, uh, what you just said there is also like a self-fulfilled affirmation too. So now they're just imprinting that even further, right? And it will show up, but it's an imprint and you've got to look at talked about it on the podcast a couple of times uh, before, but the stories we're telling. What stories are you telling? You know, I've, um, you know, so many like, you know, it's hard. I had one friend who hates their job and kept saying, yeah, but you know, it's hard to find a good job that you love. Like, I've never liked a job. I mean, it's hard to find a good job. And I go, you keep saying that and it's going to continue to be hard. You could change your thought and go, how about it's going to be easy for you? It's easy for other people. Are you cursed or are they just thinking a little bit differently? (laughs) You know what I mean? And until you change that thinking, you'll never even find out because then you said you're already in your worst case scenario. Yeah. Yeah, we're basically living our self-fulfilling prophecies that are called thoughts and beliefs. So the you know one of the ways to shift out of that is to change your story, like you say, is to change what we say, and and it starts with changing our story or the story, like your friend, like oh, what? Because I'm laughing, I'm I'm talking to you, and you have j- jobs that you love. <laughs> you oh, know, yeah, everything. I'm I'm like the happiest. I I'm a major manifester. That's why I also coach too. I love this stuff. I'm all you know. Every book you read at USM, like, and I went to Mark and Carrie's house and saw Carrie's bookshelf. I was like, I've read every one of these books. How did I score a boss who who believes what I believe? This is even better. Like, who who has that? I I've I mean, yeah, I I love the systems like nobody's business, and I couldn't be more grateful for every opportunity. So, um, but I also had to go on a limb and fight a lot of limiting beliefs from other people. And I'm sure you being an actor understand this because when you, when you live in Los Angeles and you tell people you're an actor, you get a lot of crappy feedback from people. When you're elsewhere in the world, they're like, Oh my God, that's so exciting. You're an actor. That's so interesting. When you're here and you say you're an actor or writer, literally I've gotten this before. I I said to someone that I was a writer and they go, so are you a real writer? Like that makes money at it? Or do you like write at Starbucks, but like wait tables? (laughs) And, And my response was, I said, would you say that to a real estate agent? Would you say, do you just have your license or do you actually make money selling houses? And they go, well, that's different. I go, no, it's not. Yeah. So, you know, you're constantly fighting when you, especially when you choose something out of the normal path, right? A creative path or something unique or starting your own business. There's always people around you that are going to even press limiting beliefs on you and, and press fear of success on, you know what I mean? It's just, it's very prevalent. You've got to, um, have a strong core to, to get beyond that and succeed. Oh, a hundred percent. Because there's so much, what I call collective consciousness of a bunch of bull crap that just run, that flies around. 
And, you know, I see this a lot too with, even with the primal lifestyle, because I, I think it takes courage to live a primal lifestyle because it kind of goes against the grain sometimes of literally. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah, there's a great, I think there's a great, uh, there's a great cookbook called Against All Grains, by the way. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> because, you know, popular culture has so many ideas about food and health and fitness and, and primal lifestyle definitely is its own unique way of living. And it's not necessarily supported in the way that a call it America lives. And so I think it's because the collective beliefs around food, you know, you got to go on a diet. I mean, how, like we have billions of dollars of people on diets. So that's a perfect example of the collective consciousness of America says you have to go on a diet and count your calories to lose your weight. Where Marxism is like, you don't actually have to track every single calorie that goes in your mouth. You have to listen to your body and eat for fuel and eat in a way that your body feels really good and, and is sustainable, and then your body can freely relax into its natural state, which he's one of the very few people that says this, you know? So, so yep. it's a perfect example of how collective consciousness, it's like, we just hear something so many times. Oh, diet, diet. You got to go on a diet. You got to cut your calories. Oh, you can't eat. Oh, you can, you know, you can't eat this. You can't eat that, whatever it is. And as you know, those of us that are conscious and everyone who listens to your podcast is obviously very conscious in their health and nutrition and lifestyle that we have to cut through the collective consciousness and not believe it just because it's been said a thousand times in our life. That's right. And that, that goes for things like fat is bad for you and is going to cause heart attacks. And that's no different than, Hey, 50% of all new businesses fail. Be careful. Don't start one. Yes, exactly. You, you can't do it. You can't make it. You know, it's, that's where each of us has to dig in deep and really, I feel choose what I want to believe and what you want to believe and what you want the framework, your, your foundation of life to look like, because people will always say, oh, it's just safer to get a job and work for someone. And then you get insurance and then you get a steady paycheck. And that's awesome for those who desire it. And that's awesome for those who flourish in that. And there's another way. But if, if I believe that I'll never make it as an entrepreneur or doing what I love. And, and let me be clear. I'm not one of those who's like, do what you love and the money will follow because that's a bunch of bull crap too. Because it doesn't, you have to, like, there's a lot of things in play in order to create a sustainable business doing what you love. And, and there's action steps involved. But the internal belief that, yes, life supports me and life will continue, I continue to flourish in what my purpose is on the planet and life will support me in creating a business in that way. And I can continue to take action steps towards that. That's where the belief comes in. And that's where the faith and trust comes in of life, spirit, God, whatever you want to call it, that we are supported and we are here to flourish. Yeah. And I've, um, (laughs) on the note of like the external downers coming in and offering their opinions on, you know, career choices. (laughs) I, uh, I had someone, um, also say to me something like, Ooh, writing, but that's really competitive, isn't it? And I said, well, how about I'll be one of the people that succeeds at it? Mm. You know, how about, how about that's my choice? How about, how about I'll be the 50% on the other side of the businesses that succeed? Or, you know, again, it's just, and every time I decide to choose, 
uh, I actually had the thought in getting my place. I uh, wanted a great guest cottage, and in Malibu, you know, it, the the classic story is like anytime you see them, you call, and so they're already wiped up right away. Like you, people snag them right away, and you know, you just kind of like can't get one. And for years, when I'd be looking at them, and I kind of couldn't find one, and then um, when it came, finally one day, I was like, you know what? I really, really want to live in like a great, you know, cottage, separate little guest housey deal in Malibu. And then I had that initial thought of, oh, yeah, but you know, every time I look, and then I stopped and I go, hold on a minute. How about I'm going to be the one that gets it this time? <laughs> How about I'm not, you know what I mean? How about, I, and it, you know what? And in three days, what do you think happened? Come on. I got the best situation ever for the cheapest price ever below what I thought was even possible and literally better than I could have ever designed it myself. And all I did was change the thought before I went on to the Craigslist to do the search or whatever, you know, it was at the time. And so, but again, it was literally in that second and that's just practice, right? Because I'm obviously practiced like you in this. So you can hear and see when that limiting thought comes up and go, whoa, 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 did I just talk myself out of even winning on this? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And I really think it takes practice and it takes intention because the, these ingrained ways of looking at life, they don't just change overnight. They can, but it takes you know practice and intention to to start looking at life differently. And really, I think it's coming from the place, the, it's like backing up. I imagine it this way. We have our thoughts in our head and we're all like busy thinking thoughts and, but we're not actually, I'm not actually creating the thoughts. They're just there. Cause I wake up and I don't go, okay, what am I going to think today? I wake up and I'm thinking. So it, the thoughts are just always there. So it's really taking a step back from the thoughts and remembering that there's an innate knowing that's within me that is so pure and so authentic and so supportive and loving and desires for me to flourish. So if I can just remember that I have this inner knowing, this inner nature that's already mm, full and rich and alive and abundant, and I can, I can continue to come back to that place and look at life from that place. Instead of the fears, instead of the, oh, what ifs, instead of the, ah, oh, what's going to happen? Got, stopping, taking a deep breath, going, oh, wait, there's actually inner nature within me that already knows how to handle this situation, that already has the guest house, that already knows that I can create a, a business that is sustainable, that I really, I flourish in. And, and once I start to listen to that voice, and that's what I encourage my clients to do, is start to, like, to slow down the thoughts and slow down the patterns and just start listening more and looking for more examples of how abundant and delicious life actually is. Because we have a thousand million times more examples of how abundant and delicious life actually is than the places where it's not. But sometimes we just choose to focus on where it's not working. So it's really, hmm, how do we have a different point of view of what's actually working so great in our life without us even having to do anything. Right. What are, um, what are some other common themes of, you know, limiting stories that you've heard from clients? You know, I'm sure there's some classic thoroughfares, but, but what are, give us some, cause I'm sure there's people out there that are, are thinking some of them right now. Yeah. The, the biggest ones, it's, it's very interesting, Elle, because it all generally boils down to a few, like when we can, when I can really drill it down with a client to what's underneath all the kind of stress or upset in her life. It's really comes down to, I don't, I'm not good enough. 
I am not worthy and I won't be loved. So what I find, uh, for example, one of my clients is, um, she's a, she's a pretty, she's a celebrity, uh, TV host. And so when we first started working together, when I first met her many years ago, I just stood there and stared at her and I said, I don't understand why you're not a huge star because I, I have this hit on people sometimes where I'm like, wait, I don't get it. Like, how do I not know who you are? Cause you're fabulous. And it doesn't happen, <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't happen very often, but I really trust it when I feel that with someone. And, and she w- she starts telling me all the reasons why she's not, you know, working more or whatever. And I just thought, okay. And, and we kept in contact and a few years later, she hired me as her coach. And in our first session, she, she said, it, she's a great TV host and, but she just wasn't working, you know, at the level that she wanted to be, but she had really good jobs and, you know, she, she has a good resume and she was, she has a lot of relationships. So we drilled it down in our very first session where she said, I just don't feel like I'm in the club. I feel like everybody, else, you see, like everybody else is, you know, on ETV and, you know, ABC and, and NBC and doing all these huge things. And I don't feel like I'm in the club. I feel like they're out there and I'm here behind this fence and I don't know how to get in the club. So that right there. I'm like, you got to get yourself in the club. <laughs> well, yeah. Up in the club, girl. Because it is. It was, so I, you know, I reflected to her so gently and lovingly that this is not actually true. You know, we, we go through a process of questioning that thought and that belief and, and really seeing, you know, she was able to see that it wasn't actually true that the work she produces is so powerful and so great. And she'd already produced and directed her own TV show and she has all these amazing relationships. So by the end of the session, she went, Oh my God, I am in the club. I didn't even know it. I'm already in the club. Right. She's already in it. Yeah. She's already in it. And she just thought she wasn't, she literally had a completely different point of view. And Elle, it was amazing because in that first year we worked together, I mean, after that one session of really shifting a, a powerful limiting belief that she'd held for so many years. In the next year of working together, she tripled her income. She got sponsorships with huge brands, like worldwide Love brands, it. where she was, you know, their spokesperson. Um, she, within a two years, she won an Emmy for her television show that she create, hosts, and produces. I, it was, it's incredible. So it just shows the power of, wow, when we can shift that core, those core beliefs into something more empowering, then we start living life from that place. And therefore life looks different. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, It's interesting because like you said, when you really uh, hone in on it, you realize, wait, I'm already in this club. I'm just choosing to perceive myself as outside of it. Yeah. I want to ask you, uh, and I'll get into some more limiting beliefs, but something came up. I had a nuanced thought to limiting beliefs with regards to money. So, you know, sometimes people get into this way of thinking and this path and it does involve actual work, as you know, and sometimes it involves writing lists or creating goals or affirmations for oneself. And it takes, you know, some work. And even if you're not writing it down, at least you're thinking or visualizing and spending time there. And so you can go and do that. Let's say you have a limiting belief about money and you're, you're visualizing and you're, you're trying to get on board with that. But then throughout the day, you walk by, let's say, a harbor with a bunch of really fancy yachts and you go, oh, must be nice. 
You know what I mean? Like you got to still like you can be headed towards this work, but then what else are you thinking the rest of the day that you're not doing that work? You do have to monitor that. And like you said, slow it down, recognize what you're thinking, because even a comment like that, like must be nice. You know what that says? It says must be nice for them, not for me. I'm not so lucky. And it also is kind of looking at money like, oh, must be nice to have all that money as if there's something negative and horrible about it too. You know, it's a, it's a vibe there that is kind of can be contradicting what you're trying to achieve too. So I want to kind of talk a, a little bit more about money and what kind of limiting beliefs about money uh, you've seen come up with people or, or phrases, little, little, little shots like that. You know what I'm talking about, right? The whole, oh, must be nice. And that's like, when I walk by and I see all those yachts, I go, oh man, I would love to have one of those. I'm so stoked for them. Like there's nothing negative to me about that. I love, I love it when I see that. Yeah, that's a really good, it's a really good question. And I, I just wrote a blog about this yesterday, literally. Yeah, because what, um, I'll give you my, my own example of this, where I was in Italy and I was, everywhere I turned, there was grandness. I mean, everything in Italy, it's not, nothing's like small in Italy. It's like, if they're going to have a, you know, Coliseum, it's a Coliseum, you know, it's like this grand experience. And if it's a statue, it's not like a three inch statue. It's like a triple life-size statue. Everything is just so gorgeous and grand and stunning and majestic there. And I just, I just kept drinking it in as a reflection of myself. Of, of, oh, wait, like this is really reflecting to me, my own majesty, my own stunningness, my own grandness. And I also saw where I would look at, um, you, you know, well, for example, the yachts, like we're on the, we're on in the Mediterranean Sea and they're this huge, gorgeous yacht. I mean, like not just a yacht, like a, you know, one of the hundred million dollar yachts, like, right. With like a helicopter pad on it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like a helicopter pad and a gym and you know, cars or whatever it is. And, and I, I felt that feeling of, oh, that's so great, but I could never have that. It literally came up. I just watched it. I was like, that's so beautiful. Oh, but I could never, I could never have something like that. And I sat there within myself and it, and it hit me of that's my own way of thinking. And so I think the process is, the process is for me, is to first of all, not make myself wrong, is to be so kind and loving to myself that I could, that I would think this. So for myself and that person who was, you know, with your example of like, ah, it must be nice. It's to really say, oh, wow, wow, I have so much compassion for that part of me that is jealous or thinks I'm not good enough or thinks I could never have this experience of life. And not that I'm going to have it or not have it. That doesn't matter because it's really, what am I making it mean about myself? Because when I, when I went underneath the, Oh, I could never have something like that. It was feelings of, cause I'm not good enough. I, I just, I'm not a creator like that. And, and Oh, it would have to be someone else providing that for me. And, you know, I'm not worthy enough to, to have something like that. So that's where the opportunity is to do the healing work is when we can continue to, with so much kindness and compassion, slow it down and not make ourselves wrong and go, wow, I have so much compassion for a part of me that thinks I could never do that because it's not, it's simply not true because it's really, if, if the possible, if life is full of possibilities and loving, then anything is possible. Again, it doesn't matter about the manifestation. It's just me coming back to that place that knows 
that I flourish, I'm supported, I'm completely loved, and I'm held at all times by life. So I always, so in this blog post, what I wrote, I, I literally wrote, if you spot it, you got it. Because we don't see anything um, outside of our our, uh, our own projections. So if if that person sees is in the harbor and sees the thing and is like, ah, it must be nice, and the jealousy comes up, well, it's it's good to then observe and slow down and realize if I see that and I desire it and I think it's great, it's because I have that inside me. So whatever it is that I'm projecting onto the yacht, and in my own experience, I can project onto the yacht of like success and um, smart and driven and uh, fun lifestyle. So if I project all those out onto whoever owns that yacht and is experiencing that, if you spot it, you got it. I have to own those for myself. Instead of just giving that power away to the yacht, to the people who own the yacht or on the yacht, whatever, I have an opportunity to own that for myself and go, wait wait, wait, like I can see where I'm really smart and I can see where I'm really driven and I can see where I'm really successful and I can see where I'm really fun. And so when I can own those qualities that in the past I've been projecting onto someone else, then I can start to heal that place too. And I'm sure after that moment on, on the, you know, when you were witnessing that and realized and had compassion for yourself, but by the end of it, you were like, oh, I totally could have that if I wanted to. It's true. I literally was like, huh, what kind of, what kind of businesses could I create? I mean, that was my kind of next, you know, within the next hour, once I'd calmed myself down from thinking I could never have it and did my work around it, I went, huh, well, I wonder what kind of businesses I could create that would, you know, create a lifestyle that I could buy a hundred million dollar yacht and take on my friends on vacation because I'd really like to do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. Actually, you know, I have uh, just thought of something that was pretty funny related to Mark. Um, Someone uh, who, you know, knows what I do. A friend of mine was talking about a, a job of theirs and looking to, you know, move to a new career or like a new a new job with new pay. They were like moving to a different state. And I said, well, what do you, and I used to be a recruiter for a living. And so, you know, I was kind of helping look at his resume and, you know, s- see if we could shape it up. And so I said, well, what do you, what do you want to make? Like, what's your angle? Like, what do you want to do? And he said, well, I mean, I'd like to make $200,000 a year. He goes, but I mean, I don't need like Mark Sisson money or anything. <laughs> and I said, I said, well, hold on a minute. I go, do you want that level of money though? You know, because see in that comment right there is saying, I'd like to make this much, but I don't think I could make that level. So, um, and, and it becomes a, I don't need it to kind of toss away, right? And sort of get over that when really that is just a level of, again, the, the worthiness. Yeah, it's definitely the worthiness of like, oh, I could never be worthy to, you know, have a career like Mark Sisson, to have a business like Mark Sisson. And it's, it's, um, I, I, I always say this, the worthiness is always very interesting to me because, again, I hear this so much. It usually drills down to, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I won't be left. <clears throat> so the worthiness is, and also I don't deserve it. Like, oh, I don't deserve that kind of business. I don't deserve that kind of lifestyle. So, or, or the clients will go, I do deserve it. And I'm like, I always say, let's take the word deserve out of the vocabulary because it doesn't make any sense, worthiness and deserving. Either we're all worthy or none of us are worthy because you can look at our society and you can look at um, a celebrity, call it, that has been born into a a family of celebrities or or a reality show stars are a better example. A reality show star 
that is all of a sudden catapulted into the spotlight and given hundreds of thousands of dollars in endorsement deals. Now, are they more worthy or less worthy than anyone else to receive that kind of, you know, paycheck basically and, and level of business for being a reality star? It, it doesn't, it doesn't, you kind of have to bust it out because it's like, no, they're not. Are they more worthy than the person, the surgeon who studies for 20 years to be a surgeon? You know, who's more worthy? It's either we're all worthy or we're none of us are worthy because society shows us that success and uh, fulfillment and all that is not based upon quote worthiness and deservedness. No. And on that note, like there are a lot of people. I had some one friend say to me, well, I don't understand like some of the wealthiest people I know. I know these people like this, this guy is really, really, really rich, but he's such a jerk. And I go, Hey, that doesn't mean that that guy has great relationships or he's happy when he wakes up. But what it does mean is that he's probably thinking the right thoughts about money, <laughs> right. you know, and, and that's all that that means. It doesn't mean, right. Like you said, he's not, everyone that's wealthy is not the most wonderful person in the world that like we would think of as being worthy. Like, so deserve it. It has nothing to do with that. Right. It's a, whether you're going to make yourself worthy and tap into it. Yeah. And just really, yes, believing and trusting that I'm worthy, period. Whether I create one more thing on the planet, I'm worthy because I'm here on this planet breathing air. So either we're all worthy or none of us are worthy. Every single person on the planet is breathing air. So I pretty say we're all, you know, we're here to take up space to breathe air. So we're all worthy. And, and it's, it's so when we can really get that and dissolve this place of like, oh, I'm not worthy, or I'm not deserving and really live in a place of I'm worthy to live. I'm worthy to live a life that is supported, you know, that, that is loving period, then life looks different. And then we can create differently. You know, on that note of, um, you know, more worthy, have you, I'm sure you've, uh, you've read the Seth material or the Seth books. Um, yeah, I'm not super familiar. No, we didn't do those at USM. No, but I'm like, okay. Um, well, one of the things I love about, uh, one of the messages was in, they give the example of an artist um, like a painter, because they are often kind of the most judged, you know, in terms of like career. And they're talking about how, you know, sometimes when you're in situations, you feel like you have to justify it. Doesn't matter what it is. It could be you saying, Hey, do you want to go to a movie tonight? And instead of just saying, no, I say, no, I, sorry, I can't, I've got to do this. I've got to, like, you know, this, this need that comes up in us to justify things. And I've found over time to just sort of stop doing that unless it's necessary for an explanation because it's a little bit backpedaling and it's a, uh, you know, it's a, it's a strange thing there, like having to justify one's place. So as an actor or writer, a lot of times you get to things like, well, what have you been in or what do you, and you feel like you've got to justify or have something to say for yourself. And it doesn't matter what the, the situation is, but just justifying. And so oftentimes I coach friends or, or clients or other people who are, constantly in that pattern it's like it's a level of confidence just say no thanks or no i'm busy you know and not trying to over explain or over apologize and we feel often that we have to justify our existence in this world and the thing on seth was saying you don't have to just a beetle doesn't have to justify its existence right a dog does like no one has to justify their place you're here you're worthy yeah that's it's such a good example of Yes, of, I don't have to justify my worthiness because it is. And I, I think what you're saying, what I'm hearing in that is where I see some of my clients get tripped up is worrying so much about what other people are going to think. 
Absolutely. Let's get into that because that's because because I have more and more over time, and I'm sure you have. You get to the point where you're like, I just honestly don't care what anyone thinks of me. I care what I think of me. You know, I actually, I hear. Let's get this example. I was talking to someone uh, who was calling me about like thyroid stuff, and. They said, they go, oh, I feel so embarrassed because I like went primal. I lost all this weight. I was doing great. I was like proselytizing it to everyone. And then I got thyroid problem and I got fat. And now I feel embarrassed. Like I'm a, a joke. You know, she's, she was feeling that awful like judgment from people. And, you know, really the conversation was focused on just that, on getting out of, you know, what people, you know, Dr. Dyer might have said it best, right? What other people think of you is none of your business. So let's get into that topic because so many people out there are always like worried about what other people think. And for example, I'm going to give a small example. It happened to me recently. We um, met someone, a uh, cool new friend, potentially. They were like, hey, you want to go hang out? I was like, yeah. We went to go hike and I was like, oh, this, um, I don't think I'm yeah, just not nice person, but not connecting. And so it was like, lovely. See you later. And then they called, you know, texted me not too long after that. And I was like, ugh, you know, and there's that moment, right? I think where everyone goes, well, I feel bad. Like, I don't want to hurt their feelings. So they feel like then they should agree. And then now you're now further down the rabbit hole of creating a relationship with this person you don't want to. And the strongest point is just to not do that. But often in this feeling bad or justifying or feeling like, you know, we were worried someone might think of us as being a jerk. It's like, well, yeah, but then what are, what's the fake friendship uh, path? You know, that, that's not any better either. Yeah, I really get that. Um, you know, and that's, um, I was just thinking, yeah. And then 20 years later, you're still in relationship with this person because you just don't have, you don't have the guts. To right. Like, oh God, I gotta go. Here we go again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I really hear that. And, you know, when, you know, the first thing is, what is it, you know, like your example, what are you afraid of that person thinking about you? If you say thanks, but no thanks. Right. Well, what if it'd be like, well, I, I feel like they'll, you know, they'll think I'm mean or, or, you know, they won't, I don't know what it was. In fact, in that moment, it was for me just a, a, a minute. And then I was like, I'm not going to feel bad. You know, I just, I'm not going to go forward with this because that's the right thing to do. And they'll get the hint and, you know, I don't have to explain it to them. You just don't, it's a new person. It's not like I had to call them and say, Hey, listen, I didn't vibe with you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, sometimes it might call for something like that, but this was not one of those situations. And then I was okay with it. But, um, another friend of mine who was sort of along this with me, uh, felt really bad and was like, oh, I don't know. I feel, but should I, should I respond? Should I, you know, should I? And I was like, well, what do you want to do? You know, what do you want to do? Doing things out of obligation or guilt, right? Oof. And that's all wrapped into this discussion. So I'd love to hear more about that from you. Well, yeah, definitely. Because I definitely hear this from so many of my clients. Because even in starting a business, whether it's in personal relationships or even starting a business, when they're in a family that doesn't support it, I mean, I mean, so many of my clients say, like one of my clients, she said her husband, like she's a health and fitness expert. And she said her husband would be like, Oh, whatever, like your little business, like really cut her down in her business. And, and, and I was like, Oh, that's, you know, like you want to be with someone who's supportive, but what happens in those situations, whether it's, you know, someone calls to invite, you know, to go on another hike and you don't want to go, but you don't know how to say no, really it's, it's, what's the fear of what you think that person's going to think of you? Because it's, it's really an understanding that their point of view is from 
all their life of their perceptions of their experience of life. And it literally has nothing to do with you. Zero zilch nada. And the, the, the key of this is understanding that I'm responsible for my thoughts, actions, and responses. And every single other person is responsible for their thoughts, actions, and responses. And it takes a lot of practice, Al, oh my gosh, to really right, stay in ourselves and allow others to have say no and just a clean, clear, no thank you with no explanation and let the other person have their experience, excuse me, have their experience around it. Because it's a place of, uh, it's pure empowerment. I, I agree when you can just say no thank you. <laughs> and, no thank you and let the other person, and, and uh, you know, I know in my own life when I've had to do this many times and the thing is, I can only be in my authenticity and that's the mo- I have to make that the most important thing is my authenticity and my integrity. And if I stray outside of that, I always get myself in trouble. So it's right. It's always staying in. How do we stay in our integrity and, and do say the thing that might be scary to say and let the other person have their experience because what they think of you has nothing to do with you. Because for instance, that um, person that invited you back on the hike, like whatever, like I always, cause I always say this to my clients, it's like you could, you could say nice guy, but you know, <laughs> no, I mean like to him, like there's a couple of ways that he could take this. Like he could, you could go, Hey, thanks for inviting me. Uh, I don't feel like this is a fit. So I'm going to gracefully decline. And he could go, Oh my God, she's so honest and authentic. That is such a breath of fresh air. I'm so grateful that someone just told me up front so I could like move on. That's actually usually the reaction I do get when I'm up front. Yeah. Right. And, or he could have gone, she's such a bad person and she's so mean. How could she not like me? Who knows? Like that could be his background, his point of view. Or he could be like, eh, I didn't like her anyway. I'm glad she said no. Yeah. Who knows? Right. I don't because, know why I texted her anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> maybe, you know, we don't know, but you see, it's like, those are kind of three very specific examples that this one person could have had that have nothing to do with you. It's based on his own experience of life. That's a, that's a great way to frame it. And you know, it's also too, like when I think about it, I just go, this is what is very illogical to me is why would you allow someone's opinion of you to change how you feel about yourself? Yeah. Like that's giving all of the power of your integrity, self-esteem, everything into someone else's hands. That's, that's, and I know, I'm sure you know the work of Byron Katie, mm-hmm. right? And if people don't, you should check it out. In fact, there's a free on Oprah's spirit channel on iTunes. There's like a th- intro three video thing with Byron Katie that introduced me to her work. And I think she's great. But one of the things I love that she said is she says, you're it for you. What thought have you not had that have you had that's up, not about you? And then people go, oh, well, I think about other people. No, no. It's what your perception and judgment or view is on that. It's still you. It's all you. So, you know, you're it for you. And you're living in this meat suit and we're in this wonderful body. And so, right, you've got to do it for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, it's so true, Elle, isn't it? It's, it's, you're it for you. So, so for example, if someone says, if you're, you know, creating a business that you love, that you're really excited about, and then your, you know, mom or your husband or whoever is not supportive, it's, it's knowing that their opinion has nothing to do with you, but it's also, what are you making it mean about you? Because what happens is when we can take a step, right? What do you, so I always ask my clients that they'll go, my client who 
let's say her husband is like, ah, your little business is so cute. And she gets all upset. And I go, what are you making it mean about you? And when she can sit in that, she'll go, I make it mean that I can't do it, that he's right, that I'm not good enough. So see, it's her opinions of herself that I can't do it, that I'm not good enough, that she's projecting out onto him and he's simply reflecting back. So it's always the work of us, me, you, ourselves, to heal the place that thinks I'm not good enough. I can't do it. Because once that's healed and once that's shifted and reframed and empowered and we're living in a confident place that I can do it and I am good enough, then A, either the person stops saying the thing or B, they say it and you don't even notice it. Yeah, it doesn't. At that point, it's you're not even affected by yeah. it. Yes. So I know this is a hot button for people because so many people are so dependent on what others think. And, you know, it's, we probably always will be. I'm not saying that's ever going to go away. There's always going to be little elements of that, right? You, 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 if you go on an acting job, you, you want people to think highly of you and that you did a good job. And, of course, there's, there's moments of caring about uh, reputation or your, your work in the world. But we're talking about these real deep levels that are a little bit different. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think this breeds in the confidence in ourselves. And, you know, this is, this is one thing I'm always working with my clients on is that building that confidence because as your audience is, you know, if you're listening, obviously you're a primal lifestyle person and you work out and you, you know that you have to build the muscles slowly and through hard, you know, lifting heavy weights, lifting heavy things. And it's not like it's easy. And it's just the same way of building confidence that we build confidence, just like we build a muscle. It has to be practiced, right? It has to be worked. It has to be done. So it's, you know, in, in entrepreneurial businesses, there's, and any business, there's 8,000 million things to do. But it's like putting ourselves out there, making a video, making a blog, you know, being on a podcast or whatever it is that's the scary thing. That's how you build the confidence is you just, you do the thing that seems scary no matter what. You make it scary. If you have to build relationships with people, who's the person that you're scared to call? My clients, oh my God, they probably, they get, it's so funny because the minute they go, I go, who do you need to call this week? And they go, I need to call, you know, Mr. Jones, but I'm so scared to do it. And I start laughing. I go, well, you know, you have to call him, right? And they're like, oh, I hate it when you do that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you, you know, now that you fear it, you're going to have to climb over that, right? <laughs> like, yeah. You shouldn't tell me when you're scared to do something because then you're going to do it. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. I also, um, on that level too, with, with the, you know, the naysayers out there the, or the people doing the like, oh, what a cute little business you have and that kind of thing. Um, I decided to create and choose a belief for myself, which was that anybody who was a negative naysayer, right? The people that are like, oh, so are you a real real writer or like those people, right? Um, I decided that anytime I would encounter those people, that those, that energy propels my success. So that anytime that would happen, then after that, I would be like, oh, thank you so much. Like I would, uh, even if it wasn't to them, like later I'd be like, thank you so much. You just, by negative downing my life, just propelled me to success. You just fueled me even more. Not to prove them wrong. I don't know. It could be a stranger. I'm just saying I I just chose that belief that anyone who is a negative naysayer against any dreams or wishes that I have, then every time it happens, instead of going, uh, and making it a bummer thing that happened. I go, ho, 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 thank you. You just rocketed me into success even further. That's so great that you really chose to use that as an empowering tool instead of a, 
I don't know. I did not good enough. That's really right. Awesome. Or like, what a jerk. They don't know this or what I, or, or defending oneself. Like I'm a real writer. I, you know, or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about that with like, with you, when they go, you wrote writer, and, you know, you can pull out your book and go, yeah, but that's defending and there's no need to defend because it, you know, it doesn't matter. It's such a stupid question anyway that people ask. Yeah. And honestly, <laughs> I'm one where it's like, you know, I wouldn't, I would never do that because it's such a, that's such a, like a, uh, ego move of like proving oneself to be right and you know frankly I don't care if they you know know or don't know but yeah it's it's very funny I could do that but yeah again it's just I think propelling that negative you know energy in there oh that's awesome that's great it's good I'm glad that works for you that way yeah you know you can choose things like that to go well you know they may have bothered me but how can I turn that around to to make it a positive for me it's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. great it's great you know I think I think Mark is such a such a great we talk about how much we love Marxism for a second, seriously. And I know people are going to go, oh, you kiss asses. No, honestly, it's really not. I swear to God, I wouldn't. And if anyone, I mean, y'all in the public don't know me, but all of my friends would say right now, there's, I just don't bullshit people. I don't do it. I'm known for not doing it. Um, I'm respected for it. And so I wouldn't even bother bringing that up. But I so love Mark and Carrie Sisson. And actually, we were talking about like Mark Sisson money earlier in that, that comment. I want to say, you know, and Mark said it before, Mark was not born with a silver spoon in his mouth. Mark has rented a room in apartments, you know, even like probably mid thirties. He didn't have, you know, he built everything from scratch. And so the people that are out there are like, well, I can't do that. I'm just a personal trainer. Well, so was Mark. Do you know what I mean? And he made $40,000 a year at one point or whatever. It's not like this guy was given him $3 million to start a company. So, you know, he came from nothing. And then also what's great about his story, kind of a law of attraction, accidental manifestation, maybe on his part. But um, Mark lives in a beautiful gated community. And below that gated community is a set of apartments. And he used to live in the apartments. And he went to a party up uh, in the gated community. And he said, I'm going to buy a house up here someday. And now he lives next door to that house he was at the party at. Wow. It's it's so it's so great and it is so accurate in that that's one of the way, reasons I respect him so much is he is a self-made entrepreneur. And and what I see in him and what I learned from him, you know, I've I've been friends with him for a long time now, and I'm always learning from him because he's such a genius. And what I see, El, and I'm sure you do too, is that he just does the thing that's next. He just gets the, you know, inspired thoughts or idea of what to create, and he just does it. So, for instance, the Primal Kitchen. You know, he, I'm sitting there one day, and he's like, "Yeah, we're gonna, we're making some mayonnaise and some dressings," and I was like, "That's amazing!" And and within, you know, six months, it's in Whole Foods, and I'm oh, going, it's, it's exploded, yeah, right? and it's exploded, and and now Primal Kitchen, and so the restaurants, and what I think is so great, he's such a good example of. He doesn't, because someone could say, why would you go into food service? There's so many mayonnaises. There's so many dressings. It's such a crowded market. It's so competitive. Like how many limiting beliefs and collective consciousness are there around his businesses? And I find with Mark, he just does it. And that's what's so, he's so courageous and he's just, he just does the thing that's in front of him. And I think there's so much to be learned in that of, of just doing what's the next step instead of dwelling in the the thoughts of why it can't happen and why it's scary. And, you know, he didn't know he was going to launch his mayonnaise and dressings and it'd be huge businesses on thrive. And, you know, in the markets, he didn't know. Yeah, when he started his blog, he wasn't imagining what he has now. I'm sure it's better than what he could have even dreamed of back then. 
Yes. He started a blog, like most people do, to share information because he's a genius at what he does. And now it's one of the top health and fitness blogs in the world after so many years. And he put so much hard work into it. So it's, he's really, you know, he is the real deal, as you and I know. He's the real deal. And he, he lives the life that he talks about. Of, and that is so much of what we're talking about today of living in that confidence and worthiness and just creating from that place and doing the thing that's scary, even if you don't know how it's going to work out. And he just keeps proving it. He just keeps doing it. I'm always in awe. <laughs> yeah, he's really, well, and you know, I really, I, I just resonate so much with his personality. And he's also such a no BS person, which is a wonderful to work for and with. And in general, you always know you're getting the straight, straight story and the straight shooter uh, kind of, you know, tone. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So he's and uh, Carrie, I mean, uh, I wish, uh, you know, Carrie is extraordinary. She's just, I love her. yeah, she's an extraordinary person and she lives exactly how we're speaking today of everything we're talking about is how Carrie lives and how their family is. And it's, it's extraordinary to be around them because they continue in the, really the gratitude of life and the creation of life. And it's, and, it's, and they teach their children this, their yes. children are so above and beyond their years in terms of spiritual awareness because of their parents and because of Carrie, it's really amazing. And I, I wish I had those tools when I was 23. Right? <laughs> you know I mean, like I look at those kids and I'm like, Oh man, I, I wish I, I knew about this way of thinking. I mean, obviously I'm not in regret, but you know what I'm saying? Yes. Cause they are just uh, really powerful, really mature beyond their years. Uh, and you know, it's because of, you know, Carrie teaching them all the stuff we're talking about today, to be honest with you. And she also has a spiritual psychology degree from the same uh, place you do. So Mm -hmm. she's already fine with this. Um, before we wrap up, we'll do another like, uh, 10 or 15 minutes or so. Let's talk about, um, I don't know, what are some other limiting beliefs or actually, you know what, let's talk about what would, what would be a really great example of someone who kind of went from, you know, zero to 60 with their life, you know, came to you and was just like the, you know, negative downer on themselves and then, and then rose to great heights. Are there any that come to mind? Yeah. Yes. So many. That's the positive thing. So there's too many. (laughs) How much time do we have? (laughs) You know, I had a client come to me not long ago that she was, um, she's another coach. She's a, her niche is let's, call it like a transitional coach, like women over 40 who are wanting to transition from, uh, their corporate jobs into what they're, and they're usually moms. So they're super busy. They've got like this high stress life and she really helps them transition into a life of balance and more purpose. If that means leaving their career, or if that means just really shifting their priorities in life. So when we started working together, we've been working together probably about two years now. And most of my clients generally stay with me quite a long time because we just, you know, life keeps evolving and things keep happening and they're just, you know, transforming right and left. So it's, so we stay together a long time. So when we first started working together, she, she didn't have a business. She was, she was in her corporate career and she, she came to me cause she said, I, I need to leave my corporate career. I need to, or, you know, my desire is to have this coaching practice supporting women in this way. So yeah, let's work together. So one, you know, the first thing that I always ask clients, Elle, the very first thing I always ask someone is, what do you really want? And it's so fascinating because what happens is people sit there and then they start rattling off like a list of things. Right. I'm going to laugh about this one. Yeah. Right. A, a, you know, a new job, whatever it is, just a list of things. 
And then I'll sit there and I'll go, what do you really want? And they'll sit there and for about 60 seconds in silence. And then, then they usually start crying and, and same thing with her, like starts crying and going, no, I, I don't know because no one's ever asked me that question before. And this is one of the most powerful questions I ever ask anyone because no one, not no one, but generally none of us have someone who is so invested in our higher purpose that says, what do you really want to experience in life? Because most of us just go through life and we do the thing and we get the job and we marry the dude and we have kids or we, whatever, we just do stuff that's happening, but we don't really sit within and go, what do I really want to create an experience? And so when I ask her this and I ask any client this and the tears come up because they're, they're so in awe that they, first of all, have the freedom to think this way, to, to really live in the possibility of life. And also that they generally don't know because they haven't thought about it. They, they kind of, they're like, I don't, I don't really know. And so I just sit there with her, with her or anyone and go and let it evolve. And generally what happens is the truth comes out and they go, I want more freedom. I just want to feel free in my life. Or I just want to feel loving. Or I just want to feel calm. It's usually a feeling or a quality that really comes out in what, they, in what someone really wants to experience. And so with her, it was a similar situation. It was, um, it was really, you know, I want to feel freedom in my life. I don't feel freedom in my life right now. And I really want to feel freedom. And so when I work with a client and I really can, you know, get down to this truth of what we want to create. And sometimes it's completely different. And sometimes, you know, it is still stuff and that's fine. Everybody's different. But you know, when, when I hear a client say, a woman say, I I want to experience freedom. And, and what does that mean? Then that, that opens up a whole new set of possibilities. Because freedom is an inner experience. It's not, an, it's not a thing. It's not buying a house and you're going to feel free or, or getting a new job and you're going to feel free. It's an inner experience. So with her, it was really that um, the quest to experience that freedom and you know, create this coaching career that she desires. And so through the work we did together from zero to 60, she's a go-getter. And she really gets it that she can pray and do the affirmations and create ideal scenes and you know really open herself up and surrender, but she's got to do the work too. Spirit meets us at the point of action. So it's like, you got to do the work. So she hustled and she, within a few months, she had, a. I mean, I was, it was amazing. I'd sit on the phone with her on our sessions and go, okay, so why don't you invite at least five people in for an aroma conversation just to start coaching, like just start coaching, just start talking to people, just start having a conversation and seeing, asking, how can I be of service to you today? And she goes, okay, I can do that. And I, and I was like, okay, go get it. And then she come back and she goes, yeah. So I had these five conversations and then three people said, oh my gosh, I love this. How do I work with you? And automatically she had three clients. And, and, That's awesome. Because right? she was so in her authenticity around this and so in her freedom around this and so in her joy and her confidence around this. So she very quickly built a private practice of clients And then she decided, and then she wanted to do a group program. So we set her up in, you know, what to call the program and 
who the ideal client is and, you know, what kind of things to put on Facebook and videos and, and this and that. And all of a sudden she has this group, group coaching program with 30 people in it. And it's extraordinary. And so it's just kept going from there. And then she went to a, another coaching program where she got a certification to be a corporate coach because she's very clear she wants to help women in corporate America. And so now, fast forward to today, she has this amazing business of working with women all over the world in business that are in corporate America that want to experience more balance and less stress and more joy and fulfillment and freedom in their own lives. And she has this amazing coaching practice around it. And I look at her and I go, you're amazing. Cause she just came in what we got really clear. She, we, you know, I set her out on the, you know, what I do with every client is I, I set up the very clear outer action steps together. We set them up and we do so much inner work and transformation so that she can move forward in a way that feels really good, that she can have fun in the journey of it instead of just waiting for the destination. And so she has this amazing business and I just look at her and I go, this is extraordinary in two years or actually less than two years. It's been about a year and a half. She's created this extraordinary coaching practice from nothing. And, and it's such a joy to watch. Which is really not a long time. <laughs> no. At all. no, from go to zero to, you know, a really, yeah, a really sustainable practice is, is really extraordinary. That is so great. So let's talk about your coaching practice. First of all, tell us other than your website, Arian Alexander, and we will put the link of, of course, as well in the show notes and everything else. Um, tell us about the freebie you have for everyone. Yeah, it's great because uh, what we've been talking about today so much is the limiting beliefs. And so I put together for, if you're listening now on this, uh, this podcast, I put together a, a giveaway for you of four videos that's how to bust through your limiting beliefs. And I love this video series. It's a free video series and it's at arianfreebie.com. So just go to arian, A-R-R-I-A-N-E, freebie, F-R-E-E-B-I-E.com and put your name and email in there. And then you'll automatically get the four videos on how to bust through your limiting beliefs. So this will take you through the process of, of what Ellen and I have been talking about is how, you know really how to... First of all, identify the limiting beliefs and how to reframe them and how to do self-forgiveness. I teach a, a skill called self-forgiveness. And, and then there's a bonus video in there too. And so I love this. And people who watch it really get a lot out of it because, you know, it's, it's, it's great for us to talk about limiting beliefs and talk about the thoughts. But to actually, I give, you, I give your audience the tools to work this themselves. So arianfreebie.com is how to bust through your limiting beliefs. That will be super supportive. That's so great. And it's also great because when you're a life coach like us, you can work with people everywhere as you do. You can do it over the phone, Skype, etc., which I know that you do as well. And, you know, here's a funny thing. I've had a life coach for about, I don't know, since maybe 2006 or seven, um, a man, and I've actually never met him. <laughs> I've never met him in person, but I, I mean, I've talked to him. He's been my life coach for, and he's the person that if I'm having, if I can't coach myself out of something and I need, I need that, I call him. And that's, you know, I resonated with that earlier because often people do stay a long time. It doesn't necessarily mean that people are getting regularly coached week to week for seven years, but it just means that that person's available for you at any time. And that's what I like about that. I, I may not talk to my coach for a year and a half and then, you know, uh, I had a family member died and you're like, okay, uh, I need to talk to someone about this. And you know, that's, what's so great about it. It's always there. You don't have to do it in person. Um, there's really no risk to this. And, and what I like is that with the type of coaching you do, I do, we're talking about with this kind of mind frame is you can get so much accomplished in 
in such a short period of time, oftentimes I just need a small session with my coach and it's like, you got a good coach and they're just going to boom and you walk away and you really feel like you got your money's worth. You really got something out of it. And that's what I like about life coaching versus, and not that to, to despair it because psychology and psychiatry has its, its merits too, but they're usually, and I guess we could just talk about the difference between life coaching and that, which is, you know, maybe I don't know what your opinion is, but I look at it like, Psychology and psychology is going to really go back and delve into a lot of the past and where you came up until that point. And it's not to say that those things aren't touched on in life coaching, but they're not dwelled on in for a long time. It's really about what are we doing now? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so I find it more action and present oriented. Do you have an opinion on that? Yeah, exactly how I describe it is therapy. And I'm a huge fan of therapy. Therapy is healing the wounds of the past. And coaching is creating your future from the present. That's a great way to put it. Right? And so they're both very necessary. And with coaching, I always tell my clients that because we're creating your future from right now. So if you want to be a different person in a year, if you want to transform whatever it is within you in a year, we're starting from now. Let's let's move forward from this place. And we don't necessarily, you know, I'm not going to take you back into healing, healing, healing. We do some healing. Of course we have to, that's part of it, but it's really focused on creation from this moment. And it's, um, you know, I always say too, with coaching, it's nobody needs coaching. It's, do you desire to have a quicker, you know, more, um, courageous experience in your life? Because, if you have a goal or, or want to create something, you might, you might get there. It just might take you longer, you know? So it's like, that's the thing about working with a coach. It's, I, I, we're on the fast track. You know, you're, I'm invested in your consciousness and your transformation and your up-leveling. You're invested in it. So things are going to happen, period. Uh, there's well, no- that's the thing is you're an unbiased oh, cheerleader yeah. and a positive supporter of you are right when someone calls you, you're already like, I want you to succeed. And that sometimes people don't have that in their life. And that's another reason, right? Have a team player, someone who can speak this language with you. There might be people around you that aren't open to these concepts. Um, or again, have these preconceived judgments of you, family members, whatever, right? Where it's not necessarily a safe, pa- uh, safe place to explore these things. Oh, a hundred percent. Because a coach is the only person in your life that's here just for you with no agenda, with only your highest, only your success as agent, (laughs) only your success and expansion and transformation. And it's so glorious because I'm like you, like I always have coaches. I have two to three different coaches I work with at all times because I understand the value in investing in myself in this way and having that mirror reflected to me and having someone only for me. So when I email, you know, one of my business coaches and I'm like, what what should I write on this email or this Facebook ad or whatever? And she, she's not like, well, my opinion is it's da da da. She's like, no, here's what, you know, it's, it's about me. She's like, okay, if you want to get this result, here's what you need to do. Here's the best way to do it. Blah, blah, blah. It's not, it's not, t- and it's not like, and you want to go to lunch Friday. You know, it's, it's all like, right. <laughs> it's business. It's, it's all about me. And that's, what's so great about coaching is like you say, we don't have people in our lives that are only here for us with no agenda except for our highest good and transformation and amazingness. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, I'm so glad you came to the show today. And I, aside, how can we find you on social media? Yes. Is it just under your first and last name? Yeah. So uh, Facebook is just my name, facebook.com backslash Arian Alexander. Instagram is Arian Alexander. Twitter is Arian 1000. 
And again, my name is Arian, A-R-R-I-A-N-E. So, and then Snapchat's Arian Alex. So I'm, I'm all over the social media. I love it. I, I'm more, most active on Facebook. That's my, that's my jam is Facebook. And I do lots of videos. I'm doing a whole new series soon on Facebook Live because I think that's such a great medium and it's so fun. And most people are scared to death to do it. So I'm like, okay, let me teach you. Yeah, that, now you have to do it. <laughs> no, exactly. I do it with all my clients. They go, Facebook Live, I'm so scared. And I'm like, okay, I'll be watching yours tomorrow then. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, but yeah, Facebook's the best. And then once um, once you sign up for the freebie, for the arianfreebie.com, then we'll be in touch on email too. Thank you so much. And also, if anyone's interested in learning more about me or uh, the newest bestseller book, The Paleo Thyroid Solution, you can go to lrust.com. Um, other than that, thank you so much. We'd love to have you back some point. And just thanks so much for joining us. Oh, it's been so great. Thank you, Al. I so appreciate this. Have a great day. Thanks. Bye. Hi, folks. Mark Sisson here. And I'd like to tell you about my biggest undertaking yet, the Primal Health Coach Program. My mission is to create a global network of primal health coaches to help transform the health and consciousness of our communities into ones of optimal wellness and happiness. Becoming a primal health coach empowers you to take your primal passions to the next level and embark on a career you love, inspiring others to live lives of vitality and lasting wellness. If you dream of a career in health coaching, but have been held back by worries, such as the investment of time and money, then I encourage you to hesitate no longer. Health coaching is the fastest growing specialty in all of coaching, and we've created an online education program that allows you to learn from the comfort of your own home and at your own pace. We also have payment plans available, so you can start immediately for just a dollar down. The world needs primal health coaches to provide a blend of ancestral wellness solutions to the modern health crisis. The world needs you. Are you ready to become one of the world's most trusted, experienced, and knowledgeable health coaches? To learn more about this online certification program and to take the first step toward a career you love, visit PrimalHealthCoach.com and subscribe.